Bismillahirrahmanirrahim In the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful What is Islam? By Sheikh Jamal Zarabozo Part 8 The wisdom behind the creation of humans If the ultimate purpose of humankind is to worship Allah alone, and yet Allah does not benefit from such uh, worship, then one may rightly ask, what exactly is the wisdom behind the creation of humans? There is definitely a wisdom behind the creation of humans since, as discussed earlier, Allah has made it clear that he has not created purpose purposeless in sport, in just or anything of that nature. Hence, in everything he creates, there is wisdom, and he is the all-wise, the all-knowing. When the angels asked Allah why he was placing this new creature on earth, Allah's reply to them was that he had knowledge that they did not. However, as was the case with pondering over the creation of the heavens and the earth, one can come to some conclusions that may be partial answers to this particular question. Footnote. As far as this author is aware of, there is no clear text in the Quran or the Sunnah explicitly stating the answer to this question as opposed to the question of the purpose of humankind. One knows that Allah acts on the basis of wisdom, but obviously it is not necessary that such wisdom always be apparent to humans. In fact, Ibn Abi al-Uzza wrote, it is difficult or impossible for man to understand the wisdom that lies behind Allah's creation or his command. Later, he also makes the following important point. If the wisdom of Allah is hidden from us and is not known to us, that does not mean that no purpose or reason underlies the creation of action. Uh, that does not mean that does not mean that no purpose or reason underlies the creation or action. Do you not see that the wisdom behind Allah's creation of snakes scorpions, mice, and insects is unknown to us. All we know about these things is that they are harmful. But this does not mean that Allah did not create them or that there is no purpose in Allah's creating them. For ignorance of a matter is not proof of its non-existence. Page 209. Thus, the above answer is what this author has been able to derive as a possible response to this question. Another footnote, and remember when your Lord said to the angels, Verily, I am going to place mankind generations after generations on earth. They said, Will you place therein those who will make mischief therein and shed blood, while we glorify you with the praises and thanks and sanctify you? He, Allah said, I know that which you do not know. Quran chapter 2, verse 2, uh, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 30.
the end of the footnotes. However, as was the case with pondering over the creation of the heavens and the earth, one can come to some conclusions that may be partial answers to this particular question. First, one can see that humans are unique beings, especially given their ability to worship Allah, to exercise free will, and to use their minds. Allah has created a being that can, as described earlier, rise to the greatest levels of creation or lower himself to the lowest abyss. This creation points to not only the existence of creator, as a creation of this nature could not simply come about by chance, nor have any other creatures supposedly evolved to such a state, but to the greatness and the amazing knowledge of the Creator. This in itself is a very important aspect and humans should reflect upon it as, once again, humans cannot escape the fact that they have a Creator and Lord. Second, the existence of humans which have the ability to do good or evil manifests many of Allah's attributes that are not manifested simply through the creation of the heavens and the earth, Yes, even the existence of relative evil is a positive thing. Via the existence of such evil, Allah's beautiful attributes of forgiveness, mercy, patience, and appreciation of deeds are manifested. In addition, His attributes of being just, being able to punish, and having power over, over all creatures are also manifested through deeds that humans often suffer from and wonder why or how God could have allowed them to occur. There is nothing without a purpose and wisdom, and in the long run, the individual may realize what a great good was brought about by such deeds. Third, Allah's eternal reward for those who believe and do good demonstrates how loving and compassionate He truly is. He will have His devoted worshippers who recognized, accepted, and fulfilled their purpose in this life in a state of perpetual felicity, manifesting Allah's greatness in giving and rewarding. On the other hand, the fate of those who willingly choose to ignore all the signs around them and refuse to worship or submit to God will demonstrate Allah's power and ability to judge with complete and true justice. Uh, footnote, relative evil refers to something that seems to be evil on the surface, but which has in reality a greater purpose and benefit to it. Perhaps the great evil one can imagine is Satan, yet in the creation of Satan there is much wisdom and benefit for humankind. Ibn al-Qayyim has written at length on this issue, and his writings may be found in English in Umar al-Ashqar, the world of the jinn and devils, Boulder C.O., Al-Bashir Company for Publications and Translations, 1998, pages 225 to page 243. The Essential Equality of All Humans in Islam The Essential Equality of All Humans in Islam Not Equality, Equality the teachings of Islam are emphatic on a point that modern societies are still trying to grapple with. This is the essential equality of all humans. 
all humans are creatures of Allah and each and every one of them has the ability to soar to the greatest heights of being a human by worshipping and submitting to Allah. As such, there is no distinction between any of them as humans. It is only the choices that humans make that will distinguish them in the sight of Allah, the law and other members of the community. However, race, color or nationality have no role to play in this whatsoever. Allah says, O mankind, we have created you from a male and a female and made you into nations and tribes that you may know one another. Verily, the most honorable of you with Allah is that believer who has piety. Verily, Allah is all-knowing, all-aware. Quran chapter 49 verse 13. The Prophet, peace and the blessings of Allah be upon him, made that Quranic teaching most explicit when he stated in front of one of the largest gatherings he had ever assembled. He said, O people, verily your Lord is one and your original father is one. Certainly there is no virtue in an Arab over an un-Arab or an un-Arab over an Arab. Similarly, there is no virtue in a light-skinned person over a dark-skinned person or a dark-skinned person over a light-skinned person. Only by piety does one become more virtuous over another. Have I indeed conveyed to you the message? Such destination, sorry, such discrimination and racism, such discrimination and racism that one still finds in modern times existed before the time of the Prophet peace and the blessings of Allah be upon him, and he eradicated their traces. One time he stated, Allah has removed from you the blemishes of the days of ignorance and the boasting about one's lineage. In fact, there is no one but a pious believing person or a wretched evil doer. All humans are descended from Adam and Adam was created from clay. Adam was created from clay and everyone is descended from that one creature. The silliness of all the racism that exists can be seen in the fact that uh, the differences in the colors of humankind can be attributed to Adam's origin. The Prophet, peace and the blessing of Allah be upon him, stated, Allah created Adam from a handful which he gathered from which he gathered from throughout the earth. Thus, the descendants of Adam vary as the earth varies. Some are red, some are white, some are black, and some are of colors in between. Some are easygoing, some are difficult, some are evil, and some are good. Instead of being causes of division among humankind, the variations in people are meant to be signs of the greatness of the Creator. Allah says, and among His signs is the creation of the heavens and the earth, and the difference of your languages and colors. Verily in that are indeed signs for men of sound knowledge. Quran chapter 30 verse 22. 
Thus, the door to be a true worshiper of Allah is open to everyone regardless of race, nationality, and so forth. In fact, it is only via such worship of Allah that one becomes deserving of honor and dignity and one becomes full of virtues. This is a tenet of Islam that has been practiced throughout its history. Footnote, this is not to deny that there may be racism among Muslims, although it, although it has never reached the stage it has in the modern civilized West. Such racism is the result of ignorance or a lack of piety. It has never, though, been the case that any form of racism has been sanctioned by the religion itself, as has been the case with other religions. Uh, on this point, the famed historian Arnold Toowoomba, after of course I've just finished the footnote here. Now to continue on this point, the famed historian Arnold Toowoomba wrote, "The extinction of race consciousness as between Muslims is one of the outstanding achievements of Islam." And in the contemporary world, there is, as it happens, a crying need for the propagation of this Islamic virtue. This is quoted in Islam, the first and final religion, Karachi, Pakistan, Begum, Aisha, uh, Boni, Waqf, 1978, page 73. Let's continue. This essential equality of humans covers both males and females regardless of what propaganda one may hear about Islam. Footnote, much of what one may hear concerning women in Islam is either entirely false or concerning cultural matters that fly in the face of Islamic teachings. As for the latter, Muslim scholars themselves have worked to try to remedy the situation. Anyway, let's continue reading now. This essential equality of humans covers both males and females, regardless of what propaganda one may hear about Islam. As a spiritual being and one worthy of worshiping Allah, there is no difference between a man and a woman. Both of them are equal before God. Allah says, whoever works righteousness, whether male or female, while he or she is a true believer, verily to him or her, we will give a good life, and we shall pay them certainly a reward in proportion to the best of what they used to do, i.e. we will give them paradise in the hereafter. Quran chapter 16 verse 97. Allah also says, the believers, men and women, are supporters of one another. They enjoin what is good and forbid evil. They establish the prayers and give the alms and obey Allah and his messenger. Allah will have his mercy on them. Surely Allah, surely Allah is almighty, all wise. Quran chapter 9 verse 71. As a final example, God states, Verily those who submit to Allah, men and women, 
the believers, men and women, the men and the women who are obedient to Allah, the men and women who are truthful, the men and the women who are patient, the men and the women who are humble, the men and the women who give charity, the men and the women who observe fast, the men and the women who guard their chastity, and the men and the women who remember Allah much with their hearts and tongues, Allah has prepared for them forgiveness and a great reward, i.e. paradise. Quran chapter 33 verse 35 It is well known that Islam gave women many rights that women did not achieve in the West until recently, such as the right to own property and handle their own business affairs. Uh, footnote, Annie Besant, writing around 1932, stated, I often think that woman is more free in Islam than in Christianity. In Al-Quran, the law about woman is more just and liberal. It is only in the last 20 years that Christian England has recognized the right of woman to property, while Islam has allowed this right from all times. This is quoted in Islam, the first uh, and final religion, pages 91 92. See the remainder of the quotes there on this topic in page or pages 91 to 93. As is clear from this section, sorry, however, there are actually much more important issues. Every ideology, religion, or culture values. Uh, values some matters above and beyond others. As is clear from this section, the most important quality in Islam is piety and dutifulness to Allah. Perhaps the second most valued quality in Islam is knowledge of the religion. On both of these issues, women are completely equal to men. Throughout the history of Islam, women have been known and respected for their piety and their knowledge. On the other hand, Islam does not say that a person's value is measured by how beautiful one's face is, how sexy one's body can be, how fast one can run in sports, how well one can sing, dance, or act. These are ludicrous criteria of a person's worth from the Islamic perspective, although, although it seems to be much of what modern civilization cares about. In some According to the things that have, uh, that have the greatest value in this life, piety and religious knowledge, women are exactly equal to men, and this is a most important statement of equality given the Islamic criteria. Human rights and Islamic law. Related to the dignity of humans is the question of human rights. It's not unusual to read Western writers claiming that the concept of human rights is a Western invention. For example, Anne Mayer writes, concepts of human rights are just one part of a cluster of institutions transplanted since the 19th century from the West. Again, J. Donnelly wrote, most non-Western cultural and political traditions lack not only the practice of human rights, but the very concept. As a matter of historical fact, the concept of a human rights is an artifact of modern Western civilization. Well, 
In reality, though, all legal codes have given necessary rights to humans. In fact, one could argue that such is most true of Islam, which guaranteed numerous rights to all of humankind. Islam is a religion of justice, rights, and rule of law, and it safeguarded these rights of humans some 1400 years ago. For this reason, when Muslim scholars studied the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, UDHR, they found that the vast majority of the declaration was already affirmed and put into practice by the religion of Islam. Thus, if one takes a cursory look at some human rights listed in the UDHR, it can be easily shown that such rights have been affirmed and protected by Islam. To take some of the articles at random, Article 3 reads, Everyone has the right to life, liberty, and the security of a person. And Article 7 reads, All are equal before the law and are entitled without any discrimination to equal protection of the law. All are entitled to equal protection against any discrimination in violation of this declaration and against any and against any incitement to such discrimination. One can say such rights are not only protected in Islamic law, but that it forms part of the goals of the law itself to protect rights of this nature. To this day, there is dispute over what should be considered the fundamental human rights. There is, of course, a very important question that secular human rights advocates have historically had difficulties answering. On what basis can one claim that something is a fundamental human right? Do humans truly have the knowledge and ability to determine what are fundamental human rights? Shouldn't the determining of such fundamental human rights be related to knowledge of the very essence and souls of humans, while it must be admitted that humans have had very little success in penetrating the vast mysteries of the human soul? The Islamic answer to these types of questions is quite simple. It is the Creator who has the knowledge and authority to determine what is a fundamental human right and no one else. Only God can determine in an unbiased manner and in a manner that is most consistent with human nature as well as individual and societal needs. What must be considered the fundamental rights of a human right? What must be considered the human rights? Well, okay, only God can determine in an unbiased manner and in a manner that is most consistent with the human nature as well as individual and societal needs, what must be considered the fundamental rights of a human rights? Of the, sorry, of the fundamental rights of a humans, of humans. To leave such a grave matter solely to human reasoning, which has differed over the rights and have obviously changed their minds over time as to what such rights should be, and dist distance from the revelation from God is fraught with danger. Thus God says in the Quran, and if the truth had been in accordance with their desires, verily the heavens and the earth and whosoever is therein would have been corrupted. Quran chapter 23 verse 71. Incident, incidentally, there is yet another important difference between the Islamic view of human rights and secular view of human rights. Muslims see the human rights sanctioned by Islam 
as God-given rights that cannot be violated in any way. In any way. They are not political weapons that are defended only when politically expedient and otherwise simply ignored. They are not political weapons that are defended only when politically expedient and otherwise simply ignored. In obedience to God, a Muslim must respect the rights of others as given by the religion of Islam. This has been manifested in the behavior of Muslims throughout their history. Even when war had to be restored to, sorry, even when war has had to be resorted to, Muslims had very strict guidelines that they had to abide by, and they were known to abide by them. One can find no example of Muslim armies perpetuating the kind of violence and slaughter that took place at the hands of the crusaders when they entered Jerusalem. Similarly, this author is fairly certain that Muslims never committed the kinds of atrocities that were committed recently at Abu Ghraib, although they were committed and sometimes even defended by people who claim to believe in human rights, freedom, democracy, and so forth. Finally, when humans discuss and determine human rights, the scope must be very limited. They can only discuss worldly aspects. In this way, they are neglecting the most important right of a human, a right that can only be granted by Allah. To know this right, one has to turn to revelation and prophets. The Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing for Allah be upon him, explained the right when he was speaking to one of his companions and he said, the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing for Allah be upon him, explained this right when he was speaking to one of his companions and he said, do you know what the right of Allah upon his servants is? The companion replied, Allah and his messenger know best. The Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, then said, The right of Allah upon his servants is that he is worshipped alone and no partner is ascribed to him. Then after a while he asked his companion, Do you know what the right of the servants is upon Allah if they adhere to that? He replied, Allah and his messenger know best. The Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, then told him, the right of the servants upon Allah is that he will not punish them. He will not punish them. Footnote, in Beijing Conference on Women, some groups were pushing for certain sexual freedoms such as lesbianism as fundamental human rights. Such a suggestion would have been unthinkable just some 50 years ago. Alhamdulillah, praise be to Allah. That's the finish or the end of part eight.